You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, we're going to discuss how relevant is radio today. We're also going to talk about what it takes to make a hit single. And last but not least, we're going to tell you how you can make sure that you develop great relationships with your local radio station. But first, this. with the devil by the seal breakers here on the 9010 rule ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the 9010 rule as always i'm kevin davis and to my left i got b jennings man i am really excited about today's episode hey man of course and and to my right i got miss crystal what's up mama What's going on? I'm super excited today too. Hey man, I like I like having you around, man. This is a little this is kind of cool having the lady around, man. The I estrogen see, is in the room. I don't see how you guys were doing this with no no feminine energy before. Hey man, dudes just be trying to get by. <laughs> I mean, me me and Brian, we be in here ashy, scratching. You know, we just do what we do. Now we gotta man. put on we, deodorant to come to work. Man, I now nah, I gotta freshen up. You know, I got me wearing cologne when I come here, you know what I'm saying? Why I'm so excited about today, though, I think this is something that hits home, like, of the utmost importance, especially for the artists that are out here trying to get on, as they say, air quotations, 
Um, it's interesting because I was just talking to a homie of mine out in Vegas, and he is starting an internet radio station, and he feels like, you know, even though internet radio has been around forever, he feels like it's the next step because it allows him to break records like the radio station, the mainstream radio stations did back in the day. He feels like this is the opportunity for him to put anybody on who's dope and, you know, make a decision from the ground level as opposed to so many different people, offices having to touch the record first and decide if it's, you know, advertising worthy and that kind of stuff. So it was an interesting conversation. Have you guys listened to any internet radio stations recently? I have, uh, I, I do from time to time, um, especially like, uh, well, I'm, I'm an Apple guy, man. So I'm able to pull up stuff when I'm traveling and, you know, but I'm able to get to cert- to the same stations that I, I like to listen to. Right. Um, or when you travel, when you listen to local radio, like Atlanta radio was always hidden. Sometimes when I'm traveling to other places, y'all, I'd be <laughs> so disappointed. The same that, station that plays hip hop plays. Oh my God. Pop country Like what Taylor Swift and hip hop It Yeah It switches real quick And especially when you On the road Some of them rural towns Out there like... where Crystal's from I think they do it like that <laughs> Uh huh You know what That's okay though Cause when I when I, <laughs> when I went to visit When you go to the islands That's how radio is there Like a lot of times It's just like All American music So you're gonna hear Ed Sheeran And then you'll hear like Jeezy and then you'll hear like Taylor And you Swift. might hear some MC Hammer. You're like, what you, the Yeah, hell? like it'll be a throwback. It's like a TLC record. It's like, whoa, cool. I mean, you know, music is music. And if you're a real music lover, I think, you know, you're cool with that. But I think internet radio is going to end up exactly like mainstream radio because eventually advertisers are going to come calling. And then, you know, right. it's going to end up exactly the same. Well, Kev, you interned at a radio station, right? Yeah. So give us the ground level. How does it look in there compared to, you know, what you're seeing on the internet, guys? Um, well, like when I was, when I was an intern, this was coming, matter of fact, this was like coming straight out of high school. This was in Dayton, Ohio, WROU, uh, shout out 92, uh, DJ Skino played my first record. What's up? Um, I, I have to say that every time. Yeah, just did a shout Yeah, that's my right. thing. For real, <laughs> right, that's a right. drop. Didn't I? <laughs> But um, but I worked in promotions and it was very, it, it was very, it, it taught me a lot because I used to drive the, the video, or excuse me, I used to drive the van around to the different remotes and pass out CDs and giveaways. You were the man then. The girls would think you was doing it. Well, you know what? It, it, I didn't like it, man. What? I didn't like it. Come I'm going to tell you Kev. why. Come on, Kev. Well, the women, yeah. But <laughs> But you know what? It was my first time realizing that People in the community don't treat you like a person. Oh, no. Come on. It was, hey, y'all got some CDs? All right. Well, yeah, we just gave away. Oh, well, screw y'all in. I don't need it. <laughs> it was like, damn. Like, yo, I'm 17, 18 years old. Like, that was a bit of a culture shock. Like, well, Welcome. Kevin, so, but let's so, talk yeah. about the girls, though. Right. Let's talk about the girls, Kevin. I mean. <laughs> I'm saying you were driving the radio truck. I mean, I'm, I'm protecting names at you had a truck, it, a van, like you know, you had a room. Yeah, they 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 fired me one summer though. Just to be real, like <laughs> I got fired from radio stations because matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you really what it was. I would go into when they didn't need me, and I had finished all my runs, and we weren't doing any more remotes or whatever. I would go upstairs to the production studio, right, and this is where they cut all the commercials. So I was like. I'm going to learn this machine and I'm going to learn how to splice and cut and really show them what I could do so I can transition from driving the van and actually get something on air or maybe I can do ads or whatever. But I, I love that shit and it was ambitious. cool as hell. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I was good at it too, and I was good at it. But they fired me because somebody told them that I was going in there and said that I had messed it up when I didn't mess it you up. Were stealing boxes? Nah, man. Did you, you have know, a girl in there. The Kevin? board, the board started getting some static. No, you were engineer, so you know did this you have, shit. Did you have a girl in there, Kevin? Right. <laughs> like what you spill on you? the on the board? <laughs> shit. No, nah, I man, I cried so bad when I when I lost that job, man, because I like I love music and especially in Dayton. It's a small town. I felt like the radio town. station was my only opportunity to do some out shit. Shout out to Shout out to Ohio. Yo, <laughs> I really did. And 17, 18 years old, I boohoo like a baby, man. But I mean, obviously it wasn't my last time doing anything. So Obviously, we shouldn't have them girls in there though, Kevin. Right. <laughs> Hey. Okay, guys. So I'm super excited about our next guest. He's a great friend of mine and has been in the music business for about 10, 12 years, I believe. But most recently um, was appointed as promotions director for Atlanta's uh, Hot 107.9, which, of course, we all know is like Atlanta's biggest hip hop influence here. Um, The last time I saw Jason Reddick was at Birthday Bash and he was walking around. Uh, Boston, everybody around. So, um, with no further ado, I want to introduce everyone to Jason Reddick. Hey, Jason. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, What's good. So, tell us, 2016 Birthday Bash was crazy. Was that your first uh, one? No, actually, it was my second one, which was weird because I literally, um, when I started with Hot, I was in the position for a month before Birthday Bash. So, Ooh. I was thrown right into the fire. So, this year, um, I kind of knew what to expect right. and how to handle it. It just, it was insane. It was, it was. I have yeah. a question. I'm going to put you on the spot as soon as we start. I was okay. just telling the guys about the show and I know you're going to have to be politically correct, but I'm going to just put you out there. So, okay. T.I. and Jeezy <clears throat> were headliners. Yes. But when Future came out, there was a totally different response from the crowd. Like, it's almost like Future was wedged in the middle, but it's almost like the crowd wanted to respect him as headliner. What do you mm-hmm. think that was about? So I think um, with Atlanta, we're kind of spoiled here in Atlanta where you can go to the mall and see whoever the hottest artist is or you can go to the club and see them where certain cities, you don't get that luxury. So for Atlanta, it there's a very hard crowd to please, which is why I think the business here is so big. And the music, when it goes, it goes here because you have to really be special to make it here. And for Atlanta, they want the hottest person out at that time, especially on Birthday Bash. So Future was never even um, originally in the conversation for Birthday Bash because he was supposed to be out of town. Um, But I want to say because of his other... um, he really wanted to go out with a bang before he started the tour on um, with Summer 16. Mm-hmm. And I think he didn't get his chance to shine in New York. So he was like, well, let me go home and just really put in that last little show before I go on tour um, and then introduce new music in a sense. So that's where that came from. It was almost like overnight where it was a lot of calls made, a lot of conversations had, and he showed up. So it wasn't even originally, um, he wasn't even supposed to be on the bill. But of course, at that point, we've already made uh, commitments to T.I. and Jeezy. So we couldn't just say, well, hey, future's coming. We have to bump y'all out of respect for them and what they've done for the city. And just in the business period, we still had to honor our commitments to them to make them the headliners. So, yeah, that was that was apparent. Like the whole 
the whole Phillips like went dark when the free brand. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's a tough situation. And I give my hats off to T.I. and Jeezy because they still came out and they did their thing and they both had great energy. And uh, for me personally, I, I remember seeing T.I. and Jeezy in the clubs when they first started. So to see them on the main stage, it was exciting to me. And I think for their true fans, their core fans, it was just as exciting. So Tell us a little bit about what Birthday Bash is because I, the, all the listeners are not in Atlanta. So give the right. listeners an idea of exactly what Birthday Bash and what it means to the city. Um, Birthday Bash is, a, is an event that's gone on um, now. Uh, we don't like to talk about the age, but it's 22 years. Um, uh, it's been going 22 years strong. And it's something that actually started at Variety Playhouse, which is a very, very small venue in Atlanta, uh, which holds about um, maybe seven, 800 people to now Phillips Arena, which is 20,000 plus people. Um, so that's how the event has grown. And it's a it's a showcase. It's one of the largest radio showcases in, in the States. Um, I want to say this year, based on our her number with people and the actual performances were number one. Um, we took over from Summer Jam, but Summer, you can say it, it's just as big as Summer Jam. If most, most people are familiar with Summer Jam or uh, the one in LA, um, Power Jam, Power, the Power Show. So it's it's one of those. It's for the South, but it now it's, it's pretty much um, known, well-renowned. And uh, uh, Cool fact about the first birthday bash, uh, Biggie was actually the headliner for the first birthday bash. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's how big the show is and, and how cutting edge the show has always been where we've mixed it with the future people as far as who's on, on the cusp of taking off as well as those that are established as well. That was actually the next the next question I had. Um, so we know that there's going to be a the headliners are who you said they were, but there's still great artists besides those guys who are coming on. How would the new artists, the people who are listening to this show, what ways do they have of getting on a stage um, with Birthday Bash? I know that you guys have like satellite stages as well. Are, are those affiliated with the radio station? Kind of give us an idea of what a new artist would do. So most new artists, for the most part, um, originally Birthday Bash was just uh, a day and one event. And now it's expanded to two days and three events. Um, so Saturday during the day, um, we take over Centennial Park, and that's our uh, block party, our outdoor stage. And that's where we normally tend to put a lot of the new artists that are up and coming. Excuse me. And that could range anywhere from um, label relationships sometimes to who's really taking over the streets. Like this year, I think um, if you look at, at the Double XL freshman cover, mm -hmm. this is probably the second year in a row that we've either had somebody who was on that cover headline or has been on the actual show. Um, commitment issues is the reason why Little Uzi wasn't on there, but he was supposed to be on there this year. Um, and but Twenty One Savage is the one that headlined, and actually Twenty One Savage. This is the first year that, and the Black Party's only about eight years eight years in. Uh, this is the first year that literally um, the barricade broke from the fans trying to get to him because he wow. just, he dominated this year. Wow. Um, and I think you can see his momentum and what he's doing. I think he's like the one to watch for real, for real, out of everybody right now. So, okay. So I have a question because I know, you know, as a publicist, I've worked with new artists and everybody wants to perform. That's, you know, most artists, they're, they're, you know, I guess coup de gras is to be able to get in front of an audience. But mm -hmm. would you suggest an artist that doesn't have that type of major following yet? Or would you suggest someone, you know, get get their 
to cut their artist's teeth at Birthday Bash, or is that more for artists that already have that following, so they're going to get that reaction, you know, so they don't end up on stage with people, like, turning away or people not wanting to hear them? Well, yeah, yeah so it's, it's a delicate balance um, for us. It's, it's, it's weird because the show is so big and the, the weekend is so big, but when you look at it, it's really only a team of maybe... 20 of us that, well, actually more like 15 of us that have a full hand in producing the shows. And so it's always a delicate balance between us of deciding who goes on and who doesn't. Um, It's a constant battle um, and conversations that we have for who we think is hot, who's next, who's right there on the cusp, who's already there, who isn't past their prime. And we have those conversations. So a lot of times it's almost what are you doing is your music resonating with people? Will it really bring people out? Because at the end of the day, it is a business. And we have to to make sure that the crowd enjoys the show. So I might have a relationship with an artist, but if the artist really only has, you know, 20 followers, <laughs> then that's not really going to resonate well with the actual core audience. Because this year, um, for the first time, the Black Party did 15,000 people, and it wow. normally averages like 10,000 people. So you know, I'm not really doing those 15,000 people a service if I put on somebody who I think is cool, but nobody's ever heard of in a sense. Um, that kind of takes away from the the level of excitement and the importance of the stages if we just put people on that we like, but not necessarily what the crowd and the audience wants. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because when... Because the show has grown so much and and the block party is is almost as big as the main stage, I think there's even other organizations that have tried to throw uh, supplemental events around the area. And, And sometimes I think it gets confusing about what is actually related to Hot and what they're doing with Birthday Bash and what somebody else is doing that's down the street and saying that it's related to Birthday Bash. Can you talk a little bit about that and what artists should, uh, I guess, look out for? Um, well, we, this is something that we constantly go back and forth with, especially with our, our VP of the uh, station. He's very diligent in um, searching like Craigslist and uh, different outlets that might promote Birthday Bash but have no affiliation with us. And we try our best to uh, root out anybody that has no affiliation affiliation with us. And we try to put on sanctioned events or sanctioned um, like talent shows and things like that to get people to be able to get to the real true birthday bash that is affiliated with us and that brand. Um, so I think it, it's a constant battle that we tend to perform often. Um, and we go through and verify and check and triple check before and during, um, the show to make sure that people are, um, people are in a sense, um, being taken advantage of to be affiliated with something that, Whoever is selling it might not even be affiliated with. Um, so I think the best way to do it is most people know where our, our station is located. Um, if you don't, you can always find it. Um, I can tell anybody if they need it. But you can come into the station and, and get a list of different events that we have that sanction that is official. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people sit back and just Google everything and then take that and don't do their due diligence or do their real research. I think you have to physically go into places sometimes and, and verify things. You can't just assume that because it was on Google that is it's accurate because just like Wikipedia isn't always 100%, Google searches aren't always 100%. So I think people just 
should come in and actually physically talk to somebody because we have all the information on hand. So you mean to tell me that everything on the internet is not true? <laughs> you, I, I, I think that's a secret. I think I left Sorry. I, I, I hate you it for messed everybody. up millennials completely. They are all the way thrown off right now. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't mean this one. I didn't mean the one be the bearer of bad news. It's just like it's weird because I, I I was watching the uh, SPs right now and they have John Cena who's hosting and he's talking about wrestling and how it's rigged. And I, I, to this day, I remember my dad telling me how wrestling was rigged and it crushed my whole world. So uh, you just yeah, crushed it's crazy. the millennials, oh, especially gosh. the people listening to the show. Right. <laughs> it, it sounds like organizing all of this is a really difficult job, Jason. So. Um, What's really awesome about this show is that we don't only feature artists, producers, and things like that. We like to get out into the periphery and the other jobs that are in the industry just to kind of give our listeners an idea of, you know, maybe if you're not an artist, there's still something there for you. Can you give us a little idea of what exactly you do for the radio station? Um, For me, I handle all of what they would call um, non-traditional revenue events in a sense. So birthday bash isn't, that's not a traditional thing. Um, when you look at radio stations across the country. Um, so I handle those things, movie screenings. A lot of times I'll coordinate with premiere movies that are coming out that are going to be screened to the audience. And I'll give our listeners a chance to, uh, be the first to see those movies like weeks before they come out. Um, anywhere from listening sessions for artists, uh, I deal with that from label side to create, Um, once-in-a-lifetime experiences for listeners. So I'm the one that kind of puts the face and the brand to the forefront for radio. So a lot of times with radio, you're just listening to it. I create the visual aspect of of radio. So, and and that's anywhere from um, concert giveaways and tickets and and seeing the artists up front and close with experiences to, um, I know sometimes we work really closely with the Hawks and we do suites and just anything that's outside of the norm of just playing the music, I really handle. That's that's actually a really good segue. So we wanted to talk a little bit about now we know we're in the, a very digital age, a very viral age. And I remember when I first started doing PR here in Atlanta, we would work with um, promotions directors or um, program directors to take artists actually to the radio station and make sure that they shook hands and got the person, you know, you know, got familiar with the with the different people at the radio station. How 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 has radio changed as far as its relevance to artists? Because I know a lot of times now artists really don't get hot on the radio. They kind of get hot online. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where do you think the radio's place is in that whole scope of, you know, breaking new, mu- new music? Um, I think to it, it's weird because for me, I think radio still has its authenticity. Like with Internet, you know, anybody that has connection and has a laptop or some form of connection to the internet can upload their music and go. And, you know, with radio, you kind of got to go through your due diligence and process. You can't just walk up anymore and put your music on the radio. It has to have some resonation. It has to resonate with people. It has to have something behind it. It has to have some substance in a sense where it isn't, you know, it's people where you can you can put your music up and it's not even mastered or it's not mixed. You can't come in the radio and just put your music on if it's not mixed or mastered. Like right. that that's weird. That to this day, some people don't even know that your music needs to be mixed and mastered. You know, the internet has taken away the 
um, guidelines to what it is to actually put music out. Now anybody just feels like, you know, they have access, they just put it out. Where radio, you have to go through a certain checks and balances to even get on the radio. So I think that's where radio does it, where when you see the superstars, the mega superstars, you hear them all day on the radio. And that's because their product is authentic and it goes. Um, and it's the same thing with new artists. If they're really, really good, you know, Bryson Taylor, for example, Don't was on SoundCloud for a year. As soon as he hit radio, he started touring. Mm. The moment he hit radio and Don't shot up and, you know, I got to give credit to our programming team. We were the first people to actually, we were the fastest to add it in the country. And, you know, he shouts us out all the time because we were the one of the few in the country to actually put it on. And once it hit hot and it got into our power rotation, it just, it changed his trajectory and it just changed overnight for him mm-hmm. where he wasn't even ready for it in a sense. Like he had to play catch up because he wasn't even stage ready yet because the song took off and his career took off before he even knew it. I think that that, that does happen. A lot of artists end up chasing their records, but being in promotions, I think you're in the helicopter seat to know what a, a good single would be. Like what a, when you get something that on your desk, what would you prefer that to be to make it easy for you to do your job? If you're, if you're doing a coordination with some campaign, um, for me, it, it's weird because I'm, I love music, so I'm always seeking out music. So a lot of times if, if something hits my desk, it, it probably didn't come from a label because I kind of already know what's hot and what's already about to go. So for me, I'm already I'm speaking to labels on a regular basis and they'll, they'll tell me what the label wants to focus on. But sometimes I'll go back and forth and tell them, well, I heard this song or we probably should focus on this one and things like that. So a lot of times if it hits my desk, it probably didn't come from a label or somebody that was already um, making waves because I, I'm a person that I use the internet faithfully as well as I'm out in different listening sessions and parties and my friends hit me up all the time. So I get music referred to me on a regular basis. What do you think that, what, you know, cause new artists are always wanting to know what that formula is. And I know there's no such set formula, but what would you say are the key things that you need to hear in mute in a, in a single in order for it to be one that you think, you know, that you would deem radio uh, worthy or, you know, radio ready. What do you, what are those things that um, are consistent, you know, from year to year in singles that do really well on radio? A feeling. If it has a feeling. And I think, that, I think that's where we've gotten away from in the music is that not even just radio, just in general, if you look at songs that have really resonated and sometimes you'll hear, um, and, and this is a perfect example of why it resonates as a feeling. It might give a person a feeling where they just really dislike the song and then somebody else, they really love the song. And then before you know it, y'all are arguing about it and you're arguing from anywhere from the lyrics to it's song wrong to all these things. But next thing you know, it's a number one single. You know, like for me, when you really break down work, like, I mean, I just be real, Rihanna that, right? has, what, <laughs> 20 words at best in the whole song? Right. So it's a constant argument, like, oh, my gosh, she didn't say anything. But at the end of the day, it's still killing the charts right now because it has a feeling. It has a vibe. I have kids. And as soon as it comes, as soon as I hear the first intro part of the song, I try to my best to change it. And they're like, whoa, 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 turn that back. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And we got to sit here and listen to them turn up the whole time singing the same thing over and over again. But at the end of the day, it's undeniable. It's a song that once it's in your head, you know it. And I don't care who you are from a two year old to a 60 year old. You can sing work all day long. And it doesn't matter. And you know, what? 
Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to jump in because the, like, I, I do that with my sisters. They're the ones, they're the younger ones that are always putting me on the music and saying, hey, like, I remember when they showed me Justin Bieber when he was still on YouTube. Like, <laughs> that, literally. That is the real A&R. I think um, it's weird. It, I think that some of the best A&Rs are the ones that have kids or they're close to kids, like their nieces and nephews, and they actually talk to them. Mm-hmm. Because I heard about... Um, Playboy Cardi, for example, who I think he's like maybe two songs away from everybody knowing. I, my son, I have a 15 year old, he probably told me about him two years ago. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And every time I hear the music, I'm like, I don't get it. But I'm willing to bet he two songs from now, everybody's going to be talking about him. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's weird. And sometimes kids will be two years out, three years out. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how they do it. Like I was telling them how my daughter's reaction is to stuff. And she, anytime someone says an artist, I ask her and she'll be like, oh yeah, they're popping. I'm like, how do you even know? Like how did like you, too much. how do they find out? I don't right. know. It's, it's, it's a kid network. Like it it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. You, it's like an age limit on the network. I don't know what it is. Cause if we could it's tap like into after you get it, a certain age, you can't even see it. I know. If we could tap into, we could make so much money right. if we could get them to oh like, my <laughs> It's crazy. If we could just put a little businesses in them, I would just retire because my kids would just run everything. I know. They'd be on it early, like <laughs> super early. I'm like, yeah. Is that the weirdest part for you about being in the in the music business? Because it it is so youth driven, and so you're trying to get advice or or at least some perspective from people that are younger than you, and then you have to argue these same points in boardrooms with people that are older. So, <laughs> what is um, that like? I, I think now, and it's weird, the music business is is in such an amazing space because it's the unknown. So you could go in a boardroom and argue with somebody, but in reality, everybody's right because nobody knows what's going to happen yet. Like, there's only so many things that are proven so far, and that's amazing music wins, period. If it's a great song, it's going to win regardless of how you do it. Once it touches the right access points, it's going to go. Um, and I think that's the only thing that's been consistent out of this whole process, especially with the internet and how it's shaking up everything. The stars are still the stars. I don't care who they are. If they're a star, they're still a star. If they're okay, they're still okay. Like, it doesn't matter how many followers they have, how many times a song is streamed. If they're that's okay, true. they're just okay. If they're a star, they're still a star. That's, that's an interesting point. And also to combine that with how you were saying that the radio station is still kind of pretty much the gatekeeper for, you know, the quality tracks, the quality music. How, what ways can an artist build a relationship with the radio station? It, it's more visibility and, and getting to know who actually controls the music from, I mean, I get music all the time. I'm a great per, a pro, a promotions director if, if they're well, I can say I'm an exception because not all program or promotions directors love music like I do. Um, I get into this argument all the time with my program director. He's like, you really just want to be a program director. Huh? I'm like, no, <laughs> I, not really, but I just love music. You know, so that that's where in a sense. But know who the music directors are. Know who your program directors are. Know who the indie music directors are. Even though the even though the on-air talent, on-air personalities, like if you look at Atlanta, we're in a unique market where our on-air talent actually does music. You know, Jay Nix from the Dirty Boys actually does music. E.T. actually does music. And so these are artists themselves. So they have a whole different appreciation for what you're doing because they're doing it themselves. So mm-hmm. you actually get a better reaction from them and a, a even more helpful um, 
a helpful perspective and helpful foundation from them because they're actually artists themselves. And so they know what the grind is and they have a whole new respect for you. So build those relationships with them. Um, the Dirty Boys, you know, it's funny because now that I've been at Hot, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you think you're working for a huge brand. I'm thinking, yeah, like the numbers actually show we're number one across the board on all our parts from our morning show to our afternoon show to our night show. And so you're talking to guys that resonate with 18 to 25 year olds and 25 to 45 year olds, which is a huge demographic. Mm-hmm. They're number one in their mark in this market. They're number one across the board for all stations. So talking to them is a little different than just talking to the guy at the front desk sometimes. You know, you should know that person too, but, you know, get to know the actual... De- I mean, these guys host clubs, like, run up on them. Tell them, you know, be for real and, and be about your business and present something to them because you can see the... And again, you, Atlanta's unique. This this same person who is on Love & Hip Hop is hosting a club on a regular night and you can actually talk to him and touch him. Right. And, and see him out in the streets. So that that's that's cool, and I think that's really good information. I hope people, I hope the listeners are paying attention to to those tips. Are there any other ways um, that music can be submitted to Hot? Like, are there certain days that you guys accept new music? Are there certain slots that are open for new music? How does that process work? So what we do is we, I mean, you can every day you come up to the radio station. There's an actual Dropbox of new music and it's checked by, you know, our indie music director, Red Dread. Um, but interns check it. I check it. Like a lot of people check that box. So there's not a day that goes by that that box is not checked because we're always on the hunt for the the new music. Like that's what we do. We want to stay in, in front of everything and want to be on the cutting edge. So we're always checking that box. But um, you can actually call up to the station on Tuesday morning um, at nine o'clock And there's like 10 slots for appointments to make with our actual indie director, Red Dread. And then on Wednesdays, we call that music, New Music Wednesdays. He'll actually have you come in and he'll critique your music and tell you, okay, well, you might want to change this part or, well, that song might not work, but this one will. And he'll sit down with you and actually go through the process. And then you'll have an even better chance of being on the radio. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jason, I re- we really appreciate you um, taking the time out to, t- to to speak with us and to give our listeners some information. Can you tell people how they can connect with you, via social media, or um, however you want them to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, it's Jason, uh, J-A-S-O-N, Reddick, R-E, two Ds, as in David, I-C-K, underscore. Um, and that's for all my socials. That's everything you can connect on. Oh, and one more thing before I forget. Uh, another way to get your music heard is DJs. DJs make the world go round. You need to know DJs. I don't care if it's a club DJ. I don't care if it's your local DJ. Get to know them because these guys are what we call mixers. And what they do is they do um, the holiday mixes. So Labor Day, Memorial Day. And a lot of times that's when they'll input new music because it's a continuous mix. And after a while, you can only play so many songs that everybody knows before you have to put something else in it because these are like five hour to six hour mixes of just straight music. And that's your opportunity as well. Like you could be heard on Labor Day in the middle of the day, which is prime time. And somebody could be like, yo, what song is that? And request it. And you never know what happens. So get to know your local DJs, too. I actually have one more question for you. So we, uh, Brian mentioned we wanted to make this a platform for people that may want to be in the music industry but may not be may may not be destined to be an artist. 
What qualities or characteristics do you think made you prepared for this job? If someone wanted to be work for a radio station, if they wanted to be a promotions director like yourself, what things do they need to do and what uh, skill set do they need to bring to that uh, type of job? Um, it's really just patience. You got to have a ton of patience because nothing happens overnight. Um, it took me, I've been in this business a very long time and I just happened to fall into this position in a sense. Like it wasn't something I had on my whiteboard marked off. Okay. Promotions director. It just so happens that a lot of the things that I've done in my career has led me to this point, but I had to have patience to even get here because, you know, I think the internet, that that secret place again, um, it confuses people. They think, okay, I put it on the internet. I have 30,000 followers. Okay, I'm going to start. Let's go. No, it's like, hmm. that's just the beginning. You just introduced yourself. You still you still need to talk to Crystal to get you some media preparation and learn to get you some media training and learn how to not say uh all the time <laughs> and taking deep breaths and giggling because you're nervous. Like, you know, you still got to learn that process and then you got to learn how to play perform on a stage and actually go with it, perform in dingy places that looks terrible and, and know what that looks like. But then also you got to have people around you that want to do their job. There are people out there that really are great managers because that's what they want to do. They want to guide careers. They want to build something. They want to teach. They want to move around. They want to do something to win. So you want to have those people around you too. And I think everybody should, you know, look at their skill sets and what they do and be honest with themselves. You might not be a great artist, but you could actually work in publishing and be a writer. You could actually work in publishing services and still be close to the music and still do something that's very fulfilling and very enjoying and still make a lot of money to edit as well. You know, and, and it's not always being in front of the camera. You know, it's only a, a handful of people that should be in front of the camera and everybody else can be behind it. And you'll still be very successful, be recognized and, and still have a great life. All right, man. Any any predictions for the rest of the summer? Then we are gonna let you go. Who's the next uh, one? Who's the next one to pop? I, listen, I can I can talk all day. I love this. Um, <laughs> so you have the rush on my behalf. But I want to say one of my favorite artists, and I don't know if I'm biased or I just I recognize it. Childish Gambino. I think he's about to. Oh my gosh, guy's amazing. And the way he's setting it up, I, I think he's gonna drop new music, and it's gonna drop around the same time as his ATL show. And he's just. I think he's amazing. If you look at, listen to the Kawhi album, it shocked a lot of people because he's actually singing and I think he's going to change the game because when you look at it, traditional R&B is wide open. It's waiting for mm-hmm. the next R. Kelly, the next Joe to see. They're, they're waiting for those people to come. The next Usher, for real, for Usher, you know. Right. Justin Bieber's cool, but we need, you know, we always want our own. We always want the homegrown own person who can actually speak to our right. um, issues that we have, any social issues and, and resonate with us. We we're waiting for that one next one to go. And so I think he's going to change the game. And I think R&B is going to come back very strong because you have a few people almost there. They're treading the line, but you know, we haven't the full package. We haven't found our next Michael Jackson, you know, Usher was close. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Brown gets there sometimes. And then sometimes it's just like, Oh my gosh, but his issues but may hold him one. back. <laughs> <laughs> his issues. And the fact that, you know, he's so creative that he can't, he doesn't have a Quincy Jones, you know, uh, Mike was so point. creative, but he had Ooh, a Quincy yeah. Jones. So he mm-hmm. had somebody he had to listen to direction. That he right. Respect. Yeah. You know, Chris Brown doesn't have somebody that he respects that, level that right. he has to listen to and they're like mm, that song is okay you shouldn't do that he doesn't have that you know right. we don't have yeah. a Quincy Jones anymore you know Dr. Wow. Dre was closest to it but he's retired so who's the next Quincy Jones you know and, and there's a few people that I think that could take the take that but 
you know, not to work with Chris Brown. I don't see that, you know, because right. when you look at somebody like a Omos Keith, who was a part of Sarah, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Ocean, Lonnie Bro and Frank Ocean Channel Orange are two different people. And that's because he had somebody in there that actually knew music. Mm-hmm. He respected and it changed his whole perspective and trajectory and made him who he is. So I think getting back to R&B is going to be it. And then independent artists, I think you're going to see a, a huge resurgence and you're going to see them actually be the superstars versus our label artists. Just because, you know, Chance the Rapper has opened so many doors and mm-hmm. now he he's so big. Now he changed the whole Grammy process where if he wins a Grammy, that's just going to be a whole different conversation. Now he's going to be mm-hmm. in front of so many more people and in front of so many more eyes. And he's just going to change the whole game and how to actually be an independent artist. And it's something totally different. I think that's where we're headed now. Wow. That's, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. What, um, what about like... Um, the, the artists that we know that we've been, we, you know, you mentioned Usher. And I just learned that Usher changed his management. Usher's trying to, I guess, switch his career around and, be, and connect more with that younger audience. And now he's managed by Scooter Braun, who managed Justin Bieber, which seems a strange, <laughs> <laughs> a strange thing. But, you know, and then we have people like Beyonce that are bigger than life. What do you think about artists? Do you think that we're going to, that we're going to see independent artists? Because I think they are getting ready to be hot. But I think there's a certain level of iconic stature that comes with um, a Beyonce or even an Usher. No matter what Usher does, we still remember him as the almost Michael Jackson Usher that LaFace created. So, you know, the labels were able to create these larger than life um, personalities that we really haven't seen happen again since like LaFace. So do you think that indie artists will be able to get that level of mystique and, and iconic stature that that like a Alicia Keys, Beyonce, Usher, you know, those artists have? Yeah, well, because I think um, when you look at it, a lot of times I think we put emphasis on, like even my even when I was growing up, I used to think the music industry and the label was a building. It's not, it's the people in it that make the label and it's the people in it that make the music industry. Usher wouldn't be Usher if there was no LaFace. If there was no L.A. Reid, there would be no Usher. Right. If there was no Matthew Knowles, there would be no Beyonce. So when you have those type of people, you know, it's a, I think the music business is is a big relationship. It's, well, it's nothing but a relationship business, but it, it takes a person that will be the bad guy sometimes or be the person that pushes you to be who you are and to be great. And so... That's all that's missing really is where are the executives that are changing the game? Where are the young executives that are out here changing the game? You know, there's not, it's not many. There's a few, but there's no, who's the next L.A. Reid? Like for real, for real. That's why everybody's flocking to Scooter Braun because he's the youngest guy right now who he did what he did with Justin Bieber. He's had crazy success with Ariana Grande, Tori Kelly, like he's everywhere. So it's like, and then once he got the Kanye stamp, I mean, like they said, Kanye is is the approval process. <laughs> Anybody that's under 22 and Kanye shouts you out, that's yeah. somebody just said the other day, that's better than a Grammy. Like if Kanye stamps you, that's better than a Grammy, which is, you know, for us, that's like, what are you talking about? It's equity in the it's streets, though. It's, it's, not even it, the streets, it's crazy. You know, yeah. it's, it's Kanye. And Kanye at this point now doesn't even look crazy anymore. He just announced his, his stores coming out with Adidas. So now yeah. we're like, oh. Kanye actually knew what he was talking about. Like, he just needed somebody to believe. And now he has his stores and he's taking over fashion like he said he would. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
you don't have, but once Scooter got that approval, now everybody's with Scooter. Even right. Vic Mensa, who I love, is, I was like, wow, he's with Scooter Braun. That's crazy. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. But, but still, you know, Usher, it, like, yeah. that's huge to me. Like, that's like, I mean, he's not, Usher's not new. Usher, it's like taking an established American classic brand and putting it with the young hot guy. Right. We'll see how that, do you think that's going to work? Let me get your prediction. I, I, I think it works because it's a it's a mutual respect that has to happen. And again, like I said, if Chris Brown had somebody he respected and trusted, he would be so much different. If right. he has and knew what they were talking about. Like That's if Scooter comes in the room and tells Usher, that ain't it, we ain't doing it, Usher's gonna be like, okay, cool. Because he's like, well, you've proven that you know what you're talking about because you have so many successes, so many monster acts on your Mm -hmm. roster. So I have to respect what you're saying. And he's going to do it. You know, a new guy comes in and tell Usher, that's terrible. He's like, well, what have you done? Like, where's your proof that you know what you're talking about? Scooter literally is batting. I mean, he has the highest batting average right now in the music business when it comes to putting out acts, dominating on the tour circuit, putting up putting brands with acts which is a huge deal which that's why i think the independent artist is going to be even bigger because now brands have figured out who to partner with and Mm -hmm. now they're going to start funneling all their money into artists and you're going to be your own little network because once chance got with apple he he didn't even talk about any any more label deals and now the next thing is for him to get with a major shoe company like imagine if he had the new Reebok deal with Future or he has the new Nike deal that Drake has, why would he sign with a label? Because right. now he's just going to put all his money back into himself and right. keep going. And that's uh, that's why I think the indie artist has started to figure it out. And they're like one brand deal away from just being by themselves and keeping it going and mm-hmm. putting out their music to their fans and being consistently touring. You know, because I think now artists urban artists have looked at rock acts and said, yo, I can tour for two years. I can tour for three years and it's okay. And I can tour on this same album. I mean, I literally was a little disappointed that I went and saw Bryson Tiller at three different times in a year and a half. And it was the same show (laughs) off the same album. Right. But it's my fault because I'm like, well, he doesn't have new music. So why would I expect him to do something totally different? But the songs have resonated and he's still growing off of one album. And I think that's what a lot of urban acts have finally figured out. Like, you know what? We got to stay on the road. We got to keep going and we got to stay hot. And if we stay relevant, we're going to be good to go. Jason Reddick. Promotions Director for 107.9. Look, you have dropped a wealth of knowledge, so we really appreciate you coming by, and we'll look forward to that job as Program Director coming up pretty soon. Right? Already. You know it's coming. Yeah. My trajectory, trust me, I'll look, be Look back at him grinning trying to deny it, though. Totally different. Like, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really obvious that you love the music, man, and that's really important to us and all our listeners. So we appreciate everything that you do. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Y'all have a good night.
perfect, babe. You're a little too perfect for me. That was Perfect by B.B. Borelli featuring Earl St. Clair here on the 9010. And that's what's so awesome. And I think that, that it's obvious Jason really loves music. And how can you work at a radio station and not like music? Yeah, man. Like, dude is extra dope. You can see the, the passion and the emotion kind of come out. And you can hear him, uh, his, his energy go up when he speaks. Um, and and he's, he knows so much about what's what as in right now. You know what I mean? That's that's probably what's wrong with the music industry. I remember when I was working with um with Chuck D, he said that the problem with hip hop was that we taken an art form and given it to hustlers. And so when people don't really have a love for the art, it's what waters it down and makes it more about it's more about money and then you lose what's special about the music. So if we had more people like Jason actually in executive roles at labels, it'd probably be a lot better. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, there are, like, it's, I think it's difficult to fall in love with an artist nowadays or even their body of music because you don't get a body of music. Right. You well, they're get, not trying to. They're trying to give you a hot single. single. Right. Yeah, to get you excited about, you know, buying that single as opposed to buying into that artist. Right. And so when it becomes so much about the money, because, hey, I'm trying to get hot, I'm trying to keep, stay relevant, I'm trying to get as many listeners and, mm-hmm. and get their attention as much as I can, it becomes less about the art. Yeah. And, and I, I think that the artists that are about the art, they stand out so far differently and, and you begin to, you actually begin to miss the artist. Like right. I heard, I think, did he mention uh, Frank Ocean earlier? Mm-hmm. He did. Like it was one of the artists that is very artistic and has that sense of, of yeah, I, of sense of self. Like I'm, I'm, this is what I'm doing. And when I'm done doing what I'm doing, then I'll sell it, but right. not before. Right. You know what's crazy? I just thought about something. A, a, a weird shift just happened. Are we partly responsible for the artists being like that? I think that for so long, we've been preaching to all these artists to stop being stupid and get your business sense that we've kind of overpushed the business side of it to where now it's only about getting that single because the single is what's going to bring them that money, not really building their, their, their artistry. You know what I'm saying? I th- I, but I think it depends on if they're really an artist. Because I right. know when I first moved here, hip-hop especially, it wasn't about people that love hip-hop doing hip-hop. It was about... Somebody that had access to a dope boy with a lot of money <laughs> And they decided this is how we're going to flip it to make more money Or clean the money up And it really wasn't And I think that's why Chuck made that statement Because it really wasn't about, you know, people that love the art I think that artists that truly love I think you can tell the difference in artists that really yeah. love their art It's a feeling and they're not able to settle for something else Or if they do do something else I remember being here when B.O.B. first started and they had him do something very different than who he was but eventually he came back to who he was. We mentioned Pink last time as an, another example of a real artist, a true artist, you can't ever get that out of them. They're not going to stop. They're not going to sell out because it's a part of, it's like breathing to them. But people that just want to be famous or people that want to be cool or people that want to showcase, you know, want to be a part of it for the money, then I think, you know, it's not, it doesn't take much to sell out because that's really what they're there for in the first place. 
Right. And and you know what? I think it's so easy. Well, at least from my perspective, it's easy to tell the difference from an artist that is here for the art and an artist that is here to portray a character mm-hmm. and to sell an image. Right. Like, I, I think that's why D'Angelo can come back after eight mm-hmm. to ten years or whatever and drop an album and everybody remember him and love it. And we get quiet. We want it to work. Even Lauryn Hill. I don't care. I don't care if Lauryn Hill comes late to concerts for the next three years. The miseducation of Lauryn Hill touched so many people. And not just women, everybody. It touched touched that whole generation. So it's almost like we understand she's going through problems, but we just miss that artistic perspective. And we're willing. We believe in it because you know it was real. And it's like, okay, it's a bunch of BS thus far, but you know that it's undeniable. Even Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys has... You know, has has done a lot of different things with her career, but you feel that authenticity there. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away, you know. Yeah, and those are the artists that break all the rules. Mm-hmm. Like part of the rules to the industry is that you got to stay relevant. Right. You got to stay hot. You got to stay on the scene. If it's something going on, if it's All Star Game, you got to be at All Star Game. If it's <laughs> if it's the relays in Houston, you got to be at the relays. If it's CIAA, then you got to be at CIAA. <laughs> but with Artists that really appreciate the art, they don't do none of that shit. Right. Well, it is because as a publicist, my job is to try to force you to be at all those hot things. But I've noticed that, and clients don't like that I say this, but it's just the truth. Real artists, they really have a hard time with with the with the with the culture of publicity. They really have a hard time with learning how to be great speakers because real artists are usually not great at speaking. Introverts. They're really introverts and they're usually yeah. a lot more comfortable in the studio or on stage. Mm-hmm. But those, whenever I sit down with someone to media train them and they're, they talk, they're charming, I'm thinking, okay, this is not really an artist. This is someone that's cult, you know, that's cultured, that, right. you know, is, 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 it knows how to say all the right things. But real artists, they really aren't about the, the, the red carpets and all that. They really would rather be in the studio. Right. Like, you know, we, we went to, um, uh, T.I. did a concert at Greenbrier and, you know, Usher is someone that I've, I've you know, known of and known for, for a long time. Usher came out to see T.I. To see and the first thing he we got in the, in the, um, the Sprinter afterwards, he's like, are we going to the studio? And it's like two o'clock in the morning. Everybody is tired. I'm ready to go home. We just finished seeing the concert, but he wants to go to the studio. And Usher doesn't even have to do that because he's like, he's Usher. Right. But it's two, it's two o'clock, 2.30. And they're like, well, let's go eat. He's like, okay, we're going to go to the studio, right? Because it's just, that's undeniable. You know what I mean? But But artists that aren't, really there for the artistry. They're there for the fame. They, oh yeah, well let's go take more pictures and let's go do this because they're really driven by something different. I have a problem though, something that you guys agreed on earlier. Oh shit, here we go. So, <laughs> no, no, and it's valid. So, everybody that you named, the Lauren Hill, the mm-hmm. Alicia Keys, um, the D'Angelo, the Usher, mm-hmm. even though Lauren Hill's rap too, they're mostly R&B artists, right? And Kev, you said that the people who don't play a character, I think that a lot of times the majority of rappers are playing a character, even if they're not playing a character. Like, it may be a portion of them, but it's so embellished. If that's the case, then, it's almost like you have to kind of speak to what that character is. You can't really be 100% authentic. Well, see, I don't, I don't yes, from... we, I, I think I see where you're going with it. Okay. See, he, he's grinning like he, like, he, <laughs> like he stumped the quiz like master. No, right. Right. I, just, I just like seeing it bubbling. I see it bubbling under you. Well, no, I mean, this is a conversation that I've had at, at length uh, a, a number of times because 
I mean, it's true. There are a number of artists who wear a costume and get on stage. I mean, we could talk like Riff Raff and these kind of guys. You you know who they are. I wasn't are. going that far with I it, could though. say it because, well, what Riff Raff going to do? Come no, see no, me? No, I'm saying I wasn't going to the Riff Raff for the people having a character. I mean, there's some a lot more subtle characters than Riff Raff. You got the guy with pink yarn in his head. True. Okay, let's, let's, let's talk about it then because I'm thinking like to me the most authentic rap, the, the hip hop that I respect, like we're looking right now on the television is Outkast. Like Andre 3000 is not playing a character. Right. Like Kendrick Lamar is not a character. Right. J. Cole is not a character. Right. Drake is not a character. So uh, who are we talking uh, about? No, no. Come on. Are you, are you going to do that? I don't know. Is that what you want to do? I'm just saying I don't know that that's necessarily the, the line of authenticity we want to draw in the sand <laughs> with Drake on this side of it. Well, I mean, and he, and he's, he's a light skinned dude. Well, I love light skin because Drake had not. No, I can't even talk now. Drake not only has a deal, right, but he also has at uh, he has a theater production, right. I don't see him. I, I don't see him like going out and trying to WWE the that's, shit. That's true. Or trying to over talk and steal the spotlight from that's people. True. I see him just kind of doing his thing. And and being a part of of, of his show, right? Yeah, okay. and I don't if think that he's makes saying, sense. To me, when I think of people that are posturing or being a character, I think of a guy who's not really tough, who's acting really tough. Right. And I don't think Drake pre- presents a character that That's is true. tough. He just talks about girls and drinking, and I think that he pretty much does those things. <laughs> I mean, true. I don't. I think when I think of like, but even like you know, I think artists like I was watching Snoop. The, the ones that really last and Snoop are around, really I think they're really themselves. Yeah. I think that's really Snoop. Why are you tripping? I think that's, you know, cash money. I think that's really them. I think Lil Wayne is being honest. I don't know what he's, what his issue, what his, what he, <laughs> I don't know what the costume that's, is. I think that's him. But that's, that's really Lil Wayne. I believe that one too. Because there yeah. is a blurry line. It's a blurry and, line. But it's, uh, it's, supposed to be a blurry line. It is supposed to be blurry. I think future is, is being, is being future. Okay, so see, then we start talking about artists who are talking about, you know, emptying out clips and stuff. So we who get, are those people? Well, I mean, there are lots of them. I think that that's mainstream radio to, now. But you know what? There are so many of them, we can't even name them. Right, that's what I'm like, saying. It's, it's the weirdest thing because they all blend together. That's what I'm saying, but they're not it's standing out. They're, they're, not, they're not on the top of the charts. These are people that are just like, what, space fillers. Like, right. you know, right. but I don't think they're the people that are really impacting hip-hop. None of the people that I named, none of the people that you can name on your top 10 are playing a, are playing a, a, a role. Well, hip hop is all. Well, I don't want to say always, but in in at least in now, it it has this, it, it it does have this this unspoken rule to it that says that if you rap, then you have to do it this way. You have to be cool, right? Yeah, you have to be tough, right? Right, or you have to, or even if you're a female and you rap, then you gotta follow that little Kim uh, path. Right, you got to. Because okay. Lauren, like Lauren had a path and she did it, but she didn't light a match for young female rappers the same way that like Nikki is. That's because right it was now. so real, though. I think it's because it was so real. It, there was no way for it to for for people to emulate that. You can't it's not a formula. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I think and, that was just some, you know, Lauren Hill. That we may never see anything else like that ever again. Because I think that was just real. Even, you know, White Trippin', they just did a VH1 hip hop honors um, Monday night. Queen Latifah, when you go back and listen to Queen Latifah's, you know, stuff that she that she came out with, that she was like amazing. You know, that doesn't happen very often. There are not very many true artists that are fearless and are able to do that. But I think real artists are never playing, they're never they're never playing a role. They may be. They may be reflecting society. I think what right. you guys just said about guys needing to be tough—that's just a part of culture. Like I don't see just 
that's not just in hip hop. That's just in life. You I'll, know give, what I mean? I'll give you that. But there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of theater and, and drama that's added to it when you're an artist. Right. Like uh I, I hope I don't offend anybody politically, which I, I feel like I am going, going to rupture some of my connections. But like, there's all, obviously there was a lot of talk about Rick Ross, right? Yes. And with his image, with his image now, like, which is weird because I saw Rick Ross on the, on, they were talking about him on the news, mm-hmm. and they showed him in the orange jumpsuit walking in the courtroom, right? <laughs> but but the internet has also showed him as a correctional officer indeed so then it becomes especially if i'm 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 a young young person and i'm trying to and i believe rick ross i like his music but i'm trying to figure out which is the real run right. which is the real person is it him as the correction officer who was trying to get it together or is it him who's in court now walking in an orange jumpsuit which i think is bullshit that they want to show him in an orange jumpsuit but that's a different conversation i'm going to say but that but is later. anybody putting rick ross on the top 10 list of alt of great MCs, even for today? Great MCs? No. Artists? I think he might be. Really? Yeah, for today. I don't think so. I think for me, and I, I, I you know, somebody, I'm sure listeners probably disagree because he's popular. Right. His music is popular, but I don't think anybody is moved by... Are you moved by Rick Ross? I like Rick Ross. I don't... I'm not moved. Well, yeah, if it comes on, I won't turn it off. But at the same time, I'm not like... Are you impacted? Yo, Rick Ross finna drop a new, oh, new yeah, record. No, no. Are you oh, sure? Oh, shit, you heard that new you, Ross? You seem like you were no, really behind I like him. I like Rick Ross. And I like him. But, but I, I'm not I'm not checking. I'm not like refreshing my iTunes <laughs> to make sure they hadn't sent the album out and I didn't get it yet. None of that. It's not like, I mean... It's not like if Kanye puts out an album. It's not like I want to hear no, what Kanye's saying. I, I don't I really, really want to hear what I was what really interested in hearing Kanye's album. Right. Yeah. I wasn't interested. I didn't care about and what And I don't Rick think Kanye is pretending to be anybody else either. I don't either. I don't think, I think it's Kanye possible is to Kanye. pretend that. <laughs> you can't pretend that way. Hey, I, you've seen worse. You have to have a lot you've of You've seen drugs. worse. <laughs> and, and yeah, like I think DMX is real. I think oh, DMX absolutely. is actually him. See, we're talking about real, like... It may not be. It may not be pretty. It may be ugly, right. but it, it's real. I mean, I think people resonate with that. I think that's why you know one of the big big contradictions is why is you know is Eminem on a lot of people's top ten list is because it was real. Yeah, it was real. I believe he really did want to put the baby mommy in the trunk. And he's also yeah. a, a dope MC though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great wordsmith. Because yeah. <laughs> so then, what about Macklemore? I don't see. Well, I like I, you know what? I don't see anything wrong with Macklemore, but I think that was a great fact, record. Actually, let me say this: since you bring up since you bring up Macklemore, right? One, I have to give credit to him because he paid. He, I feel like he pays res, his respect to hip hop, mm-hmm. and he's not one of those people who are being accused cultural of cultural appropriation. appropriation because he's actually reached back. And and had some of the originators of hip hop right. on his records, put them not only on stage but in the videos. And I I don't see that from a lot of the newer artists. I see some of the newer artists are going on stage and forgetting real lyrics. Right, that but, was horrible. But I think that the, that was all bad. I think the problem though, because like the Jordan record he had way back in the day, I thought that was really really dope. But then I think people gave him a lot of hell because of that 
the, the gay song. The same love. Yeah, but you know I what? It's a dope record. I don't care what anyone says. That's a dope record. It it, it 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 was explaining something. Right. It had a message to it. Right. And I mean, he was saying, I'm not gay, but I feel like Did I Did you I believe get it. him though? Did you believe that he really get, felt it? I do. It? Yeah. I do. I really I think it was I think a dope that's record. why most people didn't like it. Because they felt like this he's just he's just doing this to appropriate the idea of what's popular right now and I'm gonna get a new fan base out of it. So and, appropriate not the not the not the black folks, but with the LGBT. You think he was pandering. Right. I don't think he was pandering. He right. had he said he had a family member that that he had that experience with, where his uncle turned out being gay and it affected him as a child. So I great great story. I it think it was a, a great a story. publicist like you probably wrote that story. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be I, well him not being gay. I think it would be tough to I mean do we, an we, authentic we know record. That? We know that. I mean, well, he at least as far as what gay. he's presented, he said he wasn't. I, as I don't far as what anything. he's presented, yeah, he, in the song okay. he says that he's not gay, but he but he has no problem with others that are. And I think that song also came out around the same time that Frank Ocean put. What was the the, the monster hit that Frank Ocean had? Thinking about I, you. Yeah, right. I don't think it was a hit. It was that right. letter that they. It was a it was out. a hit record. No, the, hit, the record was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, but but it it ended up being a, a record that was talking about his gay experience and. It's still an amazing record because people could feel it. And I, don't, and I definitely know he was not pandering. But you know what? I think that there is a there is a, a genre within a genre. Like there are a number of artists that are not uh, presenting themselves as uber thug or gangster or none of that shit. And it's like they still... they. St- People still know who they are, but when we talk about rap, people don't bring up B.O.B. Right. They don't traditionally bring up Macklemore. Right. They're not bringing up those or Childish Gambino, like like Jason was talking about. They don't bring up those artists because they don't even, like, if I brought up Atlanta rappers, you'll bring up T.I., you'll bring up Jeezy, you'll bring up Gucci Mane, and you'll bring up those type of artists, but you're not going to mention B.O.B. Right. And, he, and he's definitely very much Atlanta. And dope. And yes, and deserves every bit of notoriety that comes to him. But as far as hip-hop as a culture is concerned, I, I feel like those that don't present themselves as as thug or gangster, they, they in a way they're marginalized. Whereas Rick Ross presents himself as a little bit more thug and a little bit more gangster, and he gets mainstream access. And accolades. So I want... So, well, he's making yeah, music. Yeah, there's some talk about that but, but Rick Ross, I remember when Rick Ross first came out with Every Damn Hustlin. And I went to the, the, the press junket for it. And, you know, the song was a, it was like a, a thug hit, a club hit, because dudes liked it. But females, you know, eh. Then he started making music for f- females, which is what plays on radio. Right. Which we didn't get Jason to touch on, but... You know, females are the are the biggest radio consumers, biggest consumers, period. So I don't necessarily think Rick Ross is making authentic music. He's making music. He's making music specifically that's going to do well on radio, right? And I think, like, for example, B.O.B. B.O.B. is dope. But I think in order to be a dope artist, you have to be impactful and lyrical. And it has to be so many different things in one. And I've seen performances. I've been to a performance and seen Eminem perform. I've seen... Kanye perform and then I've seen you know B.O.B. perform my favorite lyricist is Fabulous I think Fabulous is dope lyrically but Fabulous doesn't have a presence and an impact that a star does you know what I mean and I think 
that's unfortunately his lyrics can blow a lot of these people out of the out of the water, but nobody ever mentions Fab. And it's because there's no presence where when you go, when you saw Tupac, you felt him. Mm-hmm. Biggie, you felt him. Like, you know, there's some bust rhymes, you feel him. You yeah. know, you, you don't feel I fabulous. Think, but I think it's the inauthenticity though, with fabulous. Because the people who know Fabulous originally know him as a dope make mixtape dude. Like he had the real records, it was it was it was on point. And then he came to the radio with all of the the chick records. And so there's that big separation between what his mixtape sounds like and what his album sounds like. And everybody speaks about that. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna say something on this. And and if if, if Fab people want to call me, man, then please do because there's two things that I think Fabulous is missing. One, what's his real name? Nobody knows who Fabulous really is. And and I think he purposely keeps it that way. There's that that wall to say, okay, yeah, this is my job, and so you know, I'm, I'm you get what I present to you, right? Like Beyonce does that, but yeah, I don't think that people really know who he is as a person. And then also, is lyrically he's dope, but I think he's got one style. I think he's mm-hmm. got one type of record that he can put out. Like if he gets the, with the right right producer it gets the right type of beat that he will rip that shit and it'll and he'll make a summer hit he'll make a summer hit but as far as something that sustains you and brings you closer to who he is and makes you feel like you know who he is you don't i feel like i know more about emily because of loving and yeah loving hip hop but not necessarily so much about fab because in listen to the records i don't it doesn't resonate. Like, I think I I saw an interview where he was talking about taking his son to the All-Star game and his son went out on the floor and didn't want to shoot the basketball because he was afraid that he would miss and people would see him miss. I learned more from that five-minute interview. <laughs> you never knew about him. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. It was like a window... It was like a window in, and then also it was something that I could relate to. Right. And I feel like that is part of what's missing from Fabulous as an artist. Mm. So, yeah. That makes some of that, that, that makes a lot of sense. What you're saying is that you want authenticity. I don't feel you. I don't feel you. So maybe that's the best thing that we can leave the listeners with today is that, you know, if you really want to do this for the reasons of putting out artistry and being true to something that drives you mm-hmm. internally, the best thing that you can do is listen to that small voice inside and not listen to what people are telling you an artist is supposed to look like. But it takes a lot of courage and, you know, balls to really do that. But yeah. if you're a real artist, you don't have a choice. All right. So, yeah, we going to... I'm gonna just we let's just kill it for right there. Yeah. All right. Let's let's just kill it for right there and 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 let the listeners do what we do. And we're gonna talk some more and put it out on the next episode because I think that was a good conversation where we going with it. Visit us at the ninety ten rule dot com. That's nine zero one zero rule dot com.